It's season two, episode seven of the Hall of Fame show. And there's not a lot of Hall of Fame news, but Evan Nolan, has that ever stopped us? No, nothing will stop us, my friend. We are unstoppable. <laughs> we, we definitely are. There's not even a lot of passings in the world. The Basketball Hall of it, Fame... It, it, oh, Go ahead. As to say, and even the beige mistress is quiet this week. Well, I, perhaps she's just been plotting something really big and we won't even know what's coming. I originally, I was asking you if we could sort of look at something, and I don't think we're going to really get to it, because not a lot of people have talked their way out of the Hall of Fame. That, I thought, might have been a sort of a nice little topic, but then when we did our little pre-show, because who knows, we actually prepped some of these things a little bit, five minutes, it's something, it's prep, it counts. You know, you, you, you sent me an email, like, or a message to Twitter, like, three hours ago. Yeah. About what you wanted to talk about. That's true. That's true. That's prep. It is prep. Well, for us, it's major prep. But mm-hmm. it sort of turned out that, you know what, maybe we can save that a little bit later and then touch on that. I think with that one individual, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit. Because, uh, actually, I'll do that right now, if that's all right. Tim Hardaway, the Basketball yeah, right. Hall of Fame, is at some point going to announce their finals. Actually, not at some point. It's going to happen... When they when they do the All Star Game, so during the festivities, which I believe is being condensed into just one day this year, they'll announce the the candidates. And Tim Hardaway is a possibility. And Hardaway is a guy who I don't see becoming a finalist. It's going to take a long time. And for those who aren't aware, Hardaway is a five time All Star, a former All NBA selection, and based on the bar that the Naismith Hall is set, he could be in, he could be out. It, uh, it's not really like when we discuss Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling should be in, but it's his mouth that kept him out. We can agree, right? Yeah, and, uh, and I, I brought it up beforehand. There's a, I can't remember who it was, came out of the list of people eligible for Hall of Fame from each of what we now have the baseball era, which would be today's game, which is 1988 to now, the modern baseball, Ball era, which was 70 to 87, Golden Days, which was 50 to 69, and early baseball, which is pre-1949, and they came up with a list of who the greatest players at each position who would be on the bench for those teams who are not in the Hall of Fame, and by all the measures out of all those people not in the Hall of Fame, Roger Clemens is number one, mm-hmm. uh, and number two by far is, like, Roger Clemens had and shoulders with everyone else, again, right. taking the steroid stuff out of it. Number two by, like, a huge percentage, like 15 20% is Kurt Schilling. And then three is Kevin Brown, just to show you the big... Kevin Brown and Rick Russell Mm. are the next two two guys on the list if you go that way. So there's no question that Schilling should be in but for his mouth. And let's not not underestimate the negative press from uh, defrauding the state of, New- uh, of uh, Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. The full name of that state, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I, so I, I look, and I thought maybe we, should, we could look at Hardaway right now, because there's a very good chance he's not going to be a finalist, and we're probably not going to talk about him as a snub, because, again, he's a bubble candidate, uh, mouth or no mouth. And for those aren't, who are not aware, this actually, I, I brought it up so we can look at verbatim what he said in the interview 2007. And this wasn't just a local interview. 
Well, actually, it was, but it was for by Dan Lebetard, who had I don't was he with ESPN then? I'm not sure. Yeah. But, well, was he okay? In 2007. Yeah. Mm, maybe. When did PTI start? Oh God, I don't know. You know? No. I'm not sure, but I, either way, he he was he was on his. If he wasn't at ESPN, he was on his way. P- PTI started October of 2001. So, oh, okay, my goodness. So he because he was he was a uh, he was a, uh, a, a panelist on that fairly. I feel like towards the beginning of that whole thing. So okay, so he had a national profile. Yeah. All right. So what Hardaway said, and just again, this is this isn't one of those things where you can say, "Well, geez, well for 2007," and you look at it from a 2021 eye. No, 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 no. This was pretty bad. Uh, so putting it into the historical context, at that point in time, uh, John Amici had uh, put out his book. Uh, and he's a former NBA player who. Uh, came out as gay. He didn't come out as gay dur- as a player. And by this point, I believe Amici was already out, but I think he was doing the press junket. So he was probably out for a few years, I think. But I, So I might be off on that. But here is a Hardaway's quote. You know I hate gay people, so I let it be known. I don't like gay people, and I don't like to be around gay pe- people. I am homophobic. I don't like it. It shouldn't be in the world or in the United States. So then he went on to say, first of all, I wouldn't want him on his, on my team. That's in relation to Amici, uh, when Levitard asked him if he would accept a gay teammate, uh, then going on. And second of all, if he was on my team, I would, you know, really distance myself from him because uh, I don't think that's right. And, you know, I don't think he should be in the locker room while we're in the locker room. I wouldn't even be a part of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's probably yeah. him trying to be politically correct. So this is one of those things that features prominently on like his Wikipedia page, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly in any lens, even lens of 2007, mm-hmm. uh, not good. No. <laughs> um, with the way things are, he has done his best to atone for that. He has changed his, opinions on that over the time since then. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it's not like this isn't one of those things where someone says, I apologize if anyone's offended. <laughs> this is a situation in which he's actually taken concrete steps. Uh, and again, you can, it, cynics, will, cynics will question why he's taken those concrete steps. But he has taken concrete steps since in the, in the well, it was 2007, so in the 14 preceding years, to, to show that his opinion on this has changed. Um, so it's entirely possible, again, it's possible you could think those things ring, ring hollow, but he at least has done stuff that makes a difference mm-hmm. there. Um, so... I, I fully understand the, particularly with, unlike other sports hall of fames, no sports hall of fame has as many women in it as 
basketball. That's true. That's very true. Basketball has gone out of its way to celebrate women and the women's version of their sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large number of those women, much much higher percentage of women in the WNBA than men in the NBA, are are identify themselves as being gay. So that may also have some degree of effect on it, whereas if he were going for the NFL Hall of Fame, nobody, not as many of the voters might care. Do you know what I mean? Very good point. Very good so, point, yeah. I just, I, we, we all say that there's a very low bar for the NBA. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, it's not even the NBA. If the NBA Hall of Fame, that's a different thing. For the, bat, for the basketball Hall of Fame. Right. And the, I joked with you, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, the over-under on players who's, who, who or people we didn't know were getting in the Hall of Fame at two and a half, and you took the over. I did. Um, uh, but I, even even given that, and I know he's a major part of Run TMC, and the other two members of TMC are in, um, being, C being uh, Chris Mullins and M being Mitch Richmond, who, again, is another borderline candidate, in my opinion. Uh he probably deserves to go over the line. I'd still put Chris Weber in ahead of him. I would too. Um, you would too? Oh, definitely. Not, not even a question. Yep. Yeah, and Weber has a tough enough time getting, getting himself in there as well. So I, this probably does affect his ability to get in. Um, I don't know how much, though, at this point. How much, I, again, though, it, if you look at his Wikipedia page, it's like right there like at the top. So I don't know exactly what effects that effect that would have overall at this point, something said 14 years ago when he's at least outwardly made steps to walk that back and taking concrete steps to be an advocate for the gay community in many ways. And I'm not going to say who it is in my life, uh, but there, there is someone who is, who is close to me who would have said this very thing in 2007 and would is done a complete 180 since. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is just from exposure and working with them. Nothing more than that. And there's a certain macho mentality and I hate, I hate these two words together, but it does exist. Toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, but which I am sure Hardaway and a lot of a lot of uh, elite athletes have gone through, especially in a locker room. I just watched uh, yesterday this one-hour documentary on Glenn Davis. No, sorry, not Glenn Davis. Uh, Glenn Glenn Burke. Glenn Burke. Yeah, I, hope, I think I got the name right. Jesus, I just watched this. Let me make sure I have this right before I continue this story. A uh, former uh, Dodgers outfielder. Okay. All right. Let's see if I got this name right. Yeah, I got You're it right. Okay. Player. Yeah. All right. So yeah, okay. Glenn, yeah, Glenn Burke. Uh, Glenn was the guy who, along with Dusty Baker, came up with the high five when he was with the Dodgers. And okay. Burke was not the first gay major league player, but his teammates knew. Mm-hmm. And Burke struggled with that as, as you can imagine they would. So this would have been the late seventies, just trying to paint a picture of that. And his manager was Tommy Lasorda, 
who was not exactly known. I mean, this is the guy who threw out Yuppie, who got Yuppie thrown out of a game. Yeah. Although he was also excellent in his uh, cameo in Fantasy Island that also co-starred Walter of uh, crap. What was his name? Now the guy, the guy who played radar. Who played who? Radar on mash. Oh, uh, uh, Gary Berghoff. Thank you. Thank you. Walter. Yeah. Well, why did I say Walter? Walter was, was radar's real name. Anywho. I'd, so I learned something from that documentary because it turns out Glenn Burke used to hang out with Tommy's son who was gay. But Lasorda never came out and said that. And then when people ask him, like, no, no, no. So, like, he was just this old school macho mentality. Yet he still loved his son. It, it was an interesting relationship. But I don't want to say typical of that era, but something that you wouldn't necessarily see now. It's like, oh, you're gay, so what? I love you. Who, who, who cares? I mean, that, that's – but back then – it wasn't, and Burke got uh, traded, possibly because Lasorda found out that he was hanging out with his son. They might have dated, they might not have. I don't know. Uh, that wasn't really clear from the documentary. I don't think they really knew for sure, and why would they? Uh, so he was traded to Oakland, and Oakland got a new manager by the name of Billy Martin. So if you think Lasorda was an old-school dinosaur, Jesus Christ. So Martin, <laughs> yeah, so... In the documentary, uh, so they got these old clips uh, from Burke on a talk show when after he came out because he came out in '84, and then he died a year later from um, from complications of AIDS. Burke said that when the new A's came during spring training, uh, Martin introduced him as, "Well, here's my outfield," and then used the F word. Yeah. So, like that's sort of the type of thing you're looking back then. Did things necessarily change? Up until then, and just to put it more in perspective, Hardaway was Hardaway was long retired in two thousand seven. Right. So we're not we're only a decade away from that type of mentality in the same area, geographical area, because like he had his heyday in Golden State. So it's not that permeable. And then I'm sure a lot of people have just the people change; they evolve. I guess what I'm trying to say is. Is Hardaway changing his tune because he wants to be embraced by basketball? And he and it did work somewhat. He was an assistant coach not that long ago. I don't know if he still is. But that's but I'm not, I'm also the type of glasses half full guy. I want to believe that he does think differently now. From what I can tell, I mean, and I clearly neither know Tim Hardaway personally. Mm-hmm. But from what I can tell, it seems like he has genuinely looked at it, changed his mind, and has become an advocate. Like, he hasn't just, like, he had a change of mind and then took concrete steps mm-hmm. based on his change of mind. And I, again, anyone who's taking actual concrete steps mm-hmm. deserves credit for that. Whether or not they're genuine or not, I can't tell. Um, but I don't think, I, I don't think that should keep him out as much as, as just everybody else who's on the, the list this year. Like how many, it, I mean, it's how many people are they letting in? It's, there's clearly Pierce and Bosch. Well, they, they don't have a pattern. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, but it, even then it's, it's clearly, uh, Bosch and, and Pierce. 
We already said we put Weber in first. Absolutely. Would you put Chauncey Billups? Would you put Chauncey Billups in first? Over Rich over Hardaway? No. No. Okay. I'm just looking who else is on this list. I wouldn't Sean have a Marion. problem with it, but I mean, I wouldn't personally do it. All right. How about Sean Marion? Yeah, I'd put Ben Wallace over. I think Ben Wallace is over. Uh, well, yeah, Ben Wallace is the next word I was going to come up with. Oh, okay. Next, next name. I was just going down the list here. Yeah, so you put Ben Wallace. So there's three. Uh, I'm just looking at who else is on the list this year. Uh, Mark Jackson, I don't think, was no. as good. Michael Finley, Dale Ellis, um, Marcus Candy. Um, yeah, Mar- Marcus I mean, he's probably Can- fourth or fifth. On this list, right? Camby's going to have some competition. I was going to say, Camby's got some competition is now uh, with Mike Conley as who's going to be the best player ever not to ever be an all-star. Interesting. Because any GM would be happy to have any one of those guys in their starting five for, for a decade. True. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I know I know we brought him up. We brought up Schilling. The other one, of course, you brought up. We can't keep his mouth shut. Is Ronick? Jeremy Ronick. Yeah. Um, um, another Boston boy. Very outspoken. Uh, the hockey hall does weird stuff too. So it's hard to tell exactly where Ronick actually is in their pecking order. Um. So I'm not I'm not sure because. I mean, I'm just I'm going to hockey hall uh, hockey set, uh, reference here. I'm trying to figure out how many people because we've done this before months ago at this point. Yeah, um, Ronick's got the stats to be in there. He also is not exactly one that would stand out if he was ever omitted. Uh, for those unaware, Ronick did a couple things really stupid, which is why he's on the outside looking in, or at least you and I believe that, there's not going to be a Hockey Hall of Fame class in 2021. So he was fired from NBC Sports in February. I'm just bringing back the article up. And I I don't know that he necessarily should have been fired for it, but this was probably the tip of the iceberg. Or it might have been one of those things where Sometimes you just have that excuse and you're trying to get rid of somebody and then it was like, okay, here it is. Right. And that, that might kind of what happened with Mil- kind of what happened with Milbury, honestly, Mike Milbury when he finally yes. got let go. Yeah, exactly. Cuz like that was kind, that was a stupid thing for him to get let get let go over. I thought. Yeah, I mean that, that was that on the scale of things that was very very minor, but it's almost like in soccer terms like, dude, this is your sixth foul. I have to give you the yellow card. Um, <laughs> like that—that—that's just kind of what happens. Like you'll see sometimes if you're watching EPL game, you'll see the referee like counting three, four, and then they'll, like they'll have numbers up and then give you the card, even if it's not bad because they've been counting how many stupid fouls you've made. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happened in Milford. I kind of feel Ronix was worse, but again, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so with Ronick, it was specifically during an interview, uh, was on a podcast called Spit and Chicklets. Uh, so he referenced a, a co-worker and someone who was a good friend of his wife, uh, Catherine Tappan, and he 
referenced how attractive she was and then just said, hey, and joked about, oh, you never, like, when they went all, all on vacation together, hey, maybe we had a threesome. Not the smartest thing he ever could have said. And not very Correct. respectful, but probably something he probably joked with her in person. Possibly. Don't know. Possibly. Uh, Catherine Tappan is awesome. She started on the on Nesson on the Bruins pro, uh, on the Bruins stuff. So I've seen her for decades at this point. She's really really good. Okay. So and so he got let go for that. But that that's one thing. It's it's quite the other where he could have let that go, but no, he decided to. I don't know where the suit went. Uh, he filed a suit based on yeah. straight discrimination. I didn't actually check to see whether this ever got thrown out. I hope it did. He, I have no idea. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll check right now what we're talking. Yeah, so he sued or filed a lawsuit that he was fired be, essentially because he was straight. Yeah. Which I'm sure that's going to happen at some point in time. I'm sure it's already happened somewhere. This isn't it. You know, this just isn't one of those examples. It's like uh, like this week, and I said this on the show I do with Andrea Tessman, uh, the how, how the hell did this go to number one? I ended it by talking about, it's sort of like ranting briefly on Madonna, who said how she's a victim of the patriarchy and how she's being silenced. You're Madonna. You're not being silenced. There yeah, are victims. like... Uh... Sorry, not to go political, but it's like all those guys after what happened in January going on Fox News saying that they can't speak anywhere and they're on Fox News four times in a week. Well, that's it. I mean, if you're actually there on national television, okay, then I guess I guess your censorship really isn't working. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there are so many victims of of sexism, but Madonna, let's be honest, you're not it. Mm-hmm. But well, as far as I can tell, Ronick's suit is still ongoing. It's still ongoing. Okay, so he filed it last. He filed it last uh, summer, so it just may not have made it through with the way COVID's going. So, I, I well, you, you're you're the legal analyst of this show. Is <laughs> does this have a leg to stand on? I mean, nothing has a leg to stand on until someone actually has something happen. Um, I, I think this is a pretty weak case to set a precedent on for something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clearly something that, if said in my workplace, would certainly get me in trouble. And I don't think if it were said by a woman in my workplace that she may have had a threesome on vacation with a, with a female coworker. It would get her in trouble, too. So I don't think that this is a case that would ever set precedent much like that. I don't think there – I don't think – I think it is possible that someone could – there could be a situation in which somebody was fired for their sexual preference. This is not that case. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure it's already happened somewhere. I can't think of one. Right. But why would I? Why would – it's not something that I search on Google every day. What kind of SJW are you? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But, but I mean, to be, to be fair to to Ronick's candidacy, at least, now he's been retired for twelve seasons at this point. 
And of all the players who are retired and eligible for the Hall, so that takes out uh, Yarmir Yager, who's second in points. Mm-hmm. He is number two on the list of points who are not in. Behind Terjan? Number one, of course. Yeah, behind Terjan. Terjan is my guy, right? So Terjan's got 1,327 points. Ronick's got 1,216, so 111 less. And then right behind him is Bernie Nichols with 1,209. And then Big Damp, Rod Brindamore, Danny Alfredson, uh, and going down from there. So just on points, he's got a, a legitimate argument of getting there. He's still behind Turgeon, and we all think that Alfredson's going to get in probably before him too. I'm Definitely. surprised Rod Brindamore had more support, honestly. Um, I am too. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. Why do you think Brindamore doesn't get a lot of support? I mean, like, he played for a high-profile American team. And he was a general manager that has a Stanley Cup for what he's done. And Right? Yeah, and uh, now Brindamore's got, well, he makes a lot more a lot more sense than Guy Carbonell. Oh, certainly, but... I could give you a list of 42 people that could make more sense than Keith Harbinow. <laughs> yes, you could. No, no offense to Keith Harbinow. <laughs> no, no. Like, he's just, he's just not. Yeah, anyway. They just, they just really love that 98 uh, Dallas Stars team. 99. 99 Dallas Stars. You're right. I apologize. Uh, well, Screw just... that 98 team. <laughs> I was just living in the Toronto area then, so that was like I remember all the Sabres hype. Mm. Pretty close to that. That putting a crease call is still ridiculous. So, <laughs> I'll be to it later. Oh my god, yes. So uh, I guess we should move on to uh, Evan's Death Watch, or do we want to do uh, Evan's Non-Sportsman of the, of the Week? Yeah, we 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 decided that's the good a good name for it. Let's um let's save that for the end because that's kind of fun. Okay. Uh, we don't we don't have we don't have the biggest list anyway of uh, people who passed away this week. And, I, and there's one other thing I do want to bring up too before we got there, um, or before we get to the end. Yeah. Um, but let's just go through the people who passed away this week. I already said that the beige mistress was quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple people. Let's start internationally. Who passed away? Um, Fausto Grassini. Passed away, two-time world uh, championship at, uh, Grand Prix motorcycle racer. He was a uh, champion in 85 and 87. He died at the age of 60 uh, from COVID mm. on the 23rd. Um, but one of the – he was he was active from 83 to 94, and one of the – honestly, one of the great motorcycle racers of all time. He only had 132 starts. But he had 21 wins and 47 podiums, which is pretty impressive for the way that uh, uh, Grand Prix racing goes for motorcycles. So, uh, yeah, he, he was only 60 when he passed over this week. Uh, also, at Sushi Miyagi, who was at least the fir- one of the two first uh, Japanese players ever to win a Grand Slam tournament, when he and his partner, Kosei Kamo, uh, won the doubles title in the 1955 U.S. Open. Kamo died back in 2017. Um, 
And we were wondering, I actually didn't have time to look this up, if that was the first, or they were the first Asian to win a Grand, Tam- Grand Slam title. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a chance to pick that up. It'd be interesting to figure that out. Um, but anyway, you also won the 1962 gold in the Asian Games held in Jakarta. Mm. So, um, yeah, he passed away at the age of 89. Uh, no cause of death given. Uh, just, I mean, you make it 89, anything can happen, right? Right. Um, we also uh, lost a couple of people from football. Uh, Doug Wilkerson, who was a guard uh, mainly for the San Diego Chargers, although he did play for the Houston Oilers for one year. Three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 1982, second-team All-Pro in 79 and 80. He's in the Chargers Hall of Fame and a member of their 40th and 50th anniversary teams. He passed away at the age of 73. Um, we also had uh, Art Michalik, who was a linebacker and a guard, all pro in 53 uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. He also played for the Steelers. And uh, uh, also, after he retired, after only. Uh, Four years, uh, he uh, became a professional wrestler and formed a tag team with 49ers player Leo uh, Namalini. Ah. Uh, it was nicknamed Boom Boom Michalik and won three National Wrestling Alliance championships. Oh, okay. So, um, but he, uh, he passed away at the age of 91 um, earlier this week. Uh, from the world of baseball, we lost uh, Stan Williams, who's a pitcher mainly for the uh, Dodgers. Well, pitch for the Dodgers, Yankees, Indians, Twins, Cardinals, and Red Sox. Uh, then became a coach. He won a. He was a member of the 1959 uh, L.A. Dodgers World Series team and a coach on the 1990 Cincinnati Red staff when they won the championship. Two-time All-Star, both times in 1960 because they had the two All-Star games for those three years. Um. But uh, went 109 and 94 and 3.48 ERA, which makes me think that he just didn't have very good uh, offensive support mm-hmm. behind him. Um, but yeah, he was a pitching coach and it was around from uh, was in the was in the majors from 58 to 99, a long career uh, between coaching and everything else. He uh, passed away from cardiopulmonary illness, so meaning. Basically, you probably had a heart attack, what that translates into. Then two people from the world of music, uh, Gene Taylor, who was uh, a guitar, piano, all sorts of stuff, mostly piano, um, with, played with Big Joe Turner, T-Bone Walker, Can Heat, the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Um, uh, it's entirely possible that he was one of the victims of the um, power outages in Texas. So mm. he was found dead in bed by his housemate um, after they were without power uh, during that time period. So it's not confirmed, but he did pass away dur- during the uh, during the power outages in Texas. He was only 68. Uh, and finally, uh, the lead singer of the Five Stair Steps, or what? Um, Excuse me. So lead singer of the Five five Stair Steps, uh, James Burke, passed away at the age of 70 from pneumonia. 
they are, of course, best known for their song, Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Um, which was number 402 on Rolling Stone's number 500 greatest songs of all time. Uh, but yeah, he passed away uh, earlier this week at the age of, um, I believe he was 70. So. I think that was used in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy, too. I'm sorry? I think that was used in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's oh, entirely possible. Oh, I could click on the song. Hold on, let's see here. Pretty sure it was. I just don't remember whether it was one or two. Cover versions. Cult, popular culture. Um, let's see. Scandal. Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. Ah, there you go. Peter Quill sings a song while performing a dance-off to distract Ronan the Accuser. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. It's impressive. Also, uh, in the 1979 film Over the Edge, the closing scene. The song being played, the closing scene of Over the Edge. I wonder what the royalties they, they make for that. I have no idea. Hmm. There's also some boys in the hood. I gotta watch that movie again. Yeah, me too. So, so. You, you, earlier you said that, you, or before we went on the air, rather, you, we wanted to talk a bit about uh, someone who's probably not going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but his opinion, I think, legitimately matters. D. Snyder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D. Snyder. I uh, was talking about the nomination of uh, Iron Maiden, um, and essentially. All the guys in Iron Maiden are like, if you elect us, we're not coming, essentially. Um, and people are like, well, come on, if you get elected, whatever. And Dee Snyder was there to back him up. And his direct quote is that he, the uh, people who are in charge of the Rocker Hall of Fame nominating committee are arrogant, elitist arseholes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who look, uh, he said that the Rock and Roll Hall committee members are arrogant, elitist arseholes who look down on metal and other bands and sell millions because we're not their definition of cool. The fan vote is throwing a bone to the peasants. I want to say F you, but I want them to have to deal with us. So, it's hard to argue with it. <laughs> no, it, it, re- it really is. Uh, he's not wrong. Uh, you and I have talked countless times on how heavy metal or just hard rock in general is looked down upon. And I, while we know that there's some people in there who don't feel that way, Tom Morello being one of them, it's it's still an institution that was created by a music critic magazine. Right. So, and the critics never really liked hard rock, heavy metal music. Very, very rare when that happens. So... If Iron Maiden does somehow get in, I don't think they will. I don't think they're going to be voted in. Not that we really know, again, who all those voters are, but you have to assume that, A, the ones we do know are are actual inductees, a lot of which probably aren't big on metal to begin with, and B, a lot of the other ones are writers. Right. So, yeah, so another someone else had responded to him that that the rock hall is catering to the masses, and D. Snyder said, 
if they were catering to the masses, they'd have the biggest selling band. Corporate rock bands that sell tens of millions are ignored because they aren't cool. The fact is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is struggling. Was it crowded when you went when you were there? It wasn't when I went. Uh, was so, it crowded when you went there? Oh no, that that's what he said. No, I know, but uh, I'm asking you. I, I've been there I've been there twice, but not since the last time I was there was two thousand and two thousand and nine. Um, and it wasn't particularly crowded that day. 2005, when I was there, it was more crowded than it was now. I think it was... Uh, but I haven't been there since, so... Yeah, I think for me it was 2012. It wasn't particularly crowded that day. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't empty either, though. No. It's a cool place. I thought you so. You have a chance to go to Rockland. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Even the bands that aren't in, they have all sorts of awesome stuff. But, yeah, I don't think Iron Man's getting in... Bruce Dickinson famous for saying that if he were ever inducted, he'd refuse that they won't be having his corpse in there. Um, so I don't, and I don't think they have to worry about that, honestly. No. Uh, with, with, uh, I know they're nominated for the first time this year, but with the quality of nominees, uh, they are going to get overlooked. Uh, one, because metal doesn't do well. And two, they're the best metal band who's not in the hall. Mm-hmm. So they need they need the priest to get in first. They do. They they really do. Uh, that's probably yeah. So they're they're not going to happen. They're also not playing the game. And whether or not the voters care about that, some might, some might not. Don't know. Uh, the committee sure does. So they're a surprising nominee. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't, it's just interesting because we've had this whole conversation. But Dee Snyder, I know, I know. I mean, Tristan's sister's never getting in. No. Uh, but, but Dee Snyder has become an influential voice through his radio show in rock. Mm-hmm. He's become a very influential voice. And he's one of those people, he always showed up on those I Love the 80s, things VH1 used to do and things like that. But he's become very much an influential voice in rock, much so, much more so than he was just a former front man of an 80s glam band, right? Um, so when he says something at this point, more people listen than they would if he had just faded into obscurity. Um, I don't know how... The Rock Hall is probably in an unwinnable position anyway. True. Just because there's no real, unless you're, except for record sales, and I guess number one singles, there's no real way to judge taste, right? Um, so no matter who they nominate, somebody's going to be upset about it. But there's some obvious blind spots that they have that they don't seem to be on the verge of closing anytime soon. There was one, as I'm looking at this one article uh, that sort of talked about that, this was on, on louder, uh, loudersound.com. Last week, one of the former members of Iron Maiden, uh, guitarist Dennis Stratton, urged fans of the, of the metal legends to cast their votes for Maiden. I'm here to tell you, don't bother. Because it doesn't matter. No, it. There's no point in devoting on anything. 
it's, it's collecting data, which I mean, like I could, some people might have a problem with that. Some people don't, but at the end of the day, you're not actually influencing anything. It does Correct. nothing. Correct. As we saw last year, as we see, we've seen other years and even when it just happens to coincide, it just all made sense. Like it, it was like when, uh, like who was it? A few times they've had someone who got in, but it was also a band that had never been nominated before. Kiss won at once. Mm-hmm. And for a while though, for a while though, whoever won the online vote, Journey won it, Kiss won it, like a whole bunch of them got in yeah. for a while. And then the last few years that hasn't done any. Mm-hmm. Like Dave Matthews Band won it last year, didn't get in, it didn't even get nominated again this year. No, absolutely. So it just shows what they consider this. It's just a way to collect clicks. That's not a yeah, bad they, thing. I mean, that's what websites are supposed to do. But just recognize it for what it is. If you think that your vote matters, it doesn't. Yeah. It would be cool if the, whoever won the fan vote just on... Whoever is the highest person on the fan vote who isn't elected by the hall should get in as like the, the fan choice. Or, or, or something where they're at least saying, well, this will count for X amount of votes. But they can't even give you that because they're not even telling you how many votes it is. It's like if baseball right. were to do that and just say, okay, well, this now counts as a 10% swing. Actually, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be very interesting. That might actually get Shaughnessy to, to resign in disgust. You <laughs> could only hope. <laughs> That could be that. Wow, I, I've just stumbled across something that I think I might want to propose. <laughs> huh. I'm, I'm with you, man, on that one. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah, this is interesting because Dee Snyder was very vocal this week. So uh, I was wondering that up. One other thing I think we should mention briefly, mm-hmm. it seems as though, according to his wife, Albert Pujols oh, is yes. going to be retiring. Yeah, well, probably a few years later than he should. But yeah, a lot of millions of reasons got to. That's very true. That's very true. Wait, so that that came from his wife? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. His wife posted on Twitter. His, so. wife, his wife does a lot of his uh, talking for him, doesn't she? Yeah, his wife and his bat. It's about wife and it's about, yeah. I just, I just remember her being really upset with the Cardinals when they didn't offer him. I said, well, that's, it was your time to pay up. I, I might, I might have, have, I might be putting words into her mouth because it might not have been what she said specifically, but it was that type of gist. And hate to say it, the Cardinals were completely right. The Angels have a giant yoke of a contract. I don't know if that really helped uh, with turnstile gates and, and, and ticket receipts. I don't think so. Yeah, at this point, probably not. No. Well, I mean, and, this year. And that's, and that's money they could be spending on pitching so they can get Mike Trout to the playoffs. Yeah, because I'm just looking at what he's got here. So, like, Albert Pujols was sort of, like, flirting with he's, – he's been up and down going through that number, that 100 in B-War. He's been over it. He's been under it. He's been over it. He's been under it. He's currently over it. I'm just looking at his last few years uh, with that. Justin War. 
Okay, so he had a minus zero one in the COVID year, minus one nine in twenty seventeen. Then he was up a bit. He really hasn't been effective since twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, nevertheless. So his his position amongst position players uh, in war two thousand and five first two thousand and six first two thousand seven first mm-hmm. two thousand eight first two thousand nine first two thousand ten first like that helps <laughs> oh yeah I mean it's it's not that I'm trying to knock him not not being in the Hall of Fame he definitely belongs there he definitely should be there uh, definitely a first ballot. oh for sure for sure uh, but now he's well, he's a bit of a liability, but let's see where he he can go from here. So, like, what are reasonable numbers for him to finish off with? So, here we're going to have a... He's already a 600 home run guy. So, he's 662. He gets another... 675 would be a nice number. He's not going to hit 38 this year. That's not possible. Here's an injury. Yeah, he's already at 32 homers. Sorry, 3,200 hits. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's really, yeah. there's really nothing that he's going to sort of eclipse in terms of a little minor plateau that I can see. I just want him to stay over 100. Yeah. And, and be war. What, is it, what does he have now? 100.7. Right. If he scores 57 runs, it'll be over 1,900, but that's really about it. Even everything else is way. It's not going to catch in the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Four triples gets him to 20 for his career, but he hasn't had a triple since 2014. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Uh, and he's not he's, he's not going to get that lifetime batting average back over 300. He's at 299. He's com- yeah. coming off a, an OPS of 665. Ouch. Yeah, he hasn't hit 300 since he was in St. Louis. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Albert Pujols. Uh, I, I wish I wish him nothing but the best for this year. I, I really do. Uh, what do you think comes next for him? I don't see him in the broadcast booth, though. I have no idea. I just absolutely no idea. He. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. He's a 13th round draft pick. Really only drafted as a favorite somebody. Mm-hmm. And he ended up as a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, I mean, he could just fade back into obscurity or hang out or do whatever he wants, really. He can do cameo. Um, he can do cameo. He can do cameo. You know what I did? I wasted, uh, like, I just wanted to take a break from uh, writing stuff for the site. So I just watched a, a bunch of bad cameos. And okay. yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. We could just do a whole show. Evan, that actually might be a show right there. We just listen to people to uh, fringe hall of famers or hall of famers cameos. That's a show <laughs> right there. And then, uh, yeah, you like that idea? Yeah. You got too many more weeks like this. We may need to do that. We might, we might. Well, this is not a bad show. We've come up with something. No, no, no. I'm not much is going on. Unless you want to talk about uh, Peacock's reminding me today that Punky Brewster is being rebooted, where she's a single mom of three kids, but still all punky. 
I think I think she, I, they, I think that she's this pluck since she's this plucky single mom. Shouldn't she, should it be like Spunky Brewster? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. In the words of Ed, Ed, in the words of Ed Asner, you got spunk. <laughs> I hate spunk. <laughs> Uh, uh, since Spunk has this interesting dual meaning, but we don't want to go there. Yes, I, I hope that man lives forever, by the way. Ed Asner is one of the funniest people ever, and he's great to follow on Twitter, just by the way. Oh, okay. Not many people are in the 90s great to follow on Twitter. Ed Asner is one of them. You know, I, I think I know how we're going to have our dual close for the show, because we figured out now we're going to end each show with uh, – with your anti-sportsman of the week. I think we should follow that with uh, Kirk's, Kirk's uh, cameo find. Fine. Let's go for it. Yeah. Our, and uh, the, the one I watched, uh, the one of the ones I watched, which won't be the cameo find, Kurt Schilling looks like he's doing it from his basement in a bunker and, and, and just like where he's hoarding all sorts of things. And he might be preparing for the cop for the apocalypse. I'm not sure. But it's possible. Well, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So, who is the anti sportsman of the week? I think this one is pretty easy. Um, so, one of my running, I guess, gags, bits, whatever, even though it's not a bit because it's true, is that it'd be great if the people in charge of baseball actually liked the sport of baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, no. I mean, former president CEO of the Seattle Mariners, Kevin Mather, or Mather, or I don't care what the hell pronounce his last name, uh, made the mistake of telling, uh, I believe it was the Rotary, Rotary Club, Rotary Club <laughs> of Bellevue, Washington, because why not? Um, <laughs> uh, what he really felt about the sport. And he... Um, He's an asshole. There's no better way to say it. Like, he is just an absolute ridiculous jerk. Like, what What possibly did he expect to get out of that? Particularly when you're talking to the Bellevue Rotary Club. I don't know. I, laughs, I guess? Was it worth it, Jerry? I don't know. Do, do you have some of the quotes of some of the things he said? Yeah. So, uh, for instance, we just rehired Iwakuma, uh, which is speaking uh, of one of their pitchers. Um, he was a pitcher us for a number of years. Wonderful human being. His English was terrible. Wanting him back into the game, he came to us. We quite frankly wanted him as our Asian scout interpreter. What's going on with Japanese League? He's coming to spring training. And I'm going to say, I'm tired of paying for his interpreter. Where's a player we'd pay Iwakuma X, but we'd also have to pay $7,500 or $75,000 a year to have an interpreter with him. His English suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him that. Uh, then we went to minor league outfielder Julio Rodriguez, who's the number nine overall prospect in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He's loud. His English is not tremendous. Uh, talked about another one of his top, top prospects, uh, Jared Kalenic, 
and Logan Gilbert will not we not start the season of the club so they could manipulate their major league service time. Like, I know just like Kyle Seeger, who's gonna uh, he said that he would be a future Mariners Hall of Famer, but he's overpaid. Despite the fact that if you go to sports track, he's massively underpaid. He got a hundred million dollars and gave the Mariners a hundred and forty seven million dollars worth of value for his contract during that time. It's just like it's just like he was ripping on their best prospects, he's ripping on their coaches, he's ripping on their best players. Like these are it's so clearly dumb. hated his job. Like the, here's a question for you. Sure. Are the Mariners the worst team in sports? Are they the worst team in all of sports? Yes. I don't think they're the worst team in all of sports. They're, they're, who's the worst they are? Oh, God. Uh, they haven't been to playoffs since 2001. Okay. So Last time in the playoffs, Griffey was on their team. Let's see. I'm, I'm sure there's a worse team in all of sports. Right, well, right now it's my favorite hockey team, the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, but the Senators have at least been to a Stanley Cup Finals. This is true. In the last decade, this is true. Seattle is, I believe, the only team in, in, in baseball that has never been to a World Series. Period. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, because the Nationals. Although I did, I do have to say I did see a stat about the Rockies the other day, which I which floored me. It was um, since the Rockies joined the National League West in 1993, they have zero division titles. The Atlanta Braves have one. Hmm. That's that's, the Atlanta that's, Braves that's have more National League West division titles since the Rockies joined the National League West than the, than the Colorado Rockies do. Yeah, I saw another one that sort of blew my mind today, too. Uh, Tom Brady has as many uh, Super Bowl rings in the N- as an NFC player as uh, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. He also has, he also has more uh, NFC championship wins, wins at Lambeau Field. Than, uh, <laughs> Holy shit, yes. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Damn. But, yeah, and, and, yeah but going back to, back to this guy, I – I think what gets me the most, it's like what he said isn't the, it's not even close to the worst things you've ever heard an executive say. It's just like, why are you just making this public in a, in, a, in such a, a low rent forum where you know, what's going to get out. Like why? As, as someone who's been a member of multiple rotary clubs, mm-hmm. the rotary does just so for those of you who may be listening around the world are unsure what rotary does. Uh, rotary is a civic organization that tries to do good works within their community. They're also largely responsible for the eradication of polio. Uh, that was one of, the, one of the first things that they rallied behind, and, and they are very much hoping that polio will be gone worldwide. They're, down, they're now down to just two countries, I believe. It's Pakistan and Afghanistan are the only two countries that still have polio at this point. Uh, and the largely that was done by the Rotary Club. So they're a civic organization that... Uh, has nothing to do with baseball. It's like a whole bunch of either retirees who want to do good for the community or local business owners who take like an hour a week uh, and, and then like help organize charitable organizations within their town. Like this isn't some like, I don't know, 
sports writers group or anything. Like none of I mean nothing he said. First of all, I don't know why he's talking to him in the first place. But like nothing he said has anything to do with what their charter is or what they're doing. No, it sounded like he so wanted I, to be heard. Like one of those guys is just like, uh, let me tell you a story. Uh. So, yeah, but I mean, he also, he also, though, has like multiple sexual harassment claims that the club paid out thousands of dollars to settle throughout his career at the club. And every time he was promoted, there were more harassment claims and he just kept getting promoted. Bye. Oh man, I I I I, I, I don't know. It, it's you're right though. It's clearly someone who just didn't like what he was doing. But but again, someone in charge of a baseball operation who clearly doesn't like the sport. Like these are all the people in charge. Not sexual harassment stuff aside. These are all the people who are in charge of these things. People who should care and don't. No, it's not going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. It, well, the, the sport's going to die. I, it's absolutely it, going to die. I don't know how, like, how, like, the only way it can sort of fix itself, again, is if it stops hating itself. There's just like like for the sort of like the sports nerd, uh, just the stats and all that. It is it's an intoxicating sport in that way. It really is. But its ability to attract young fans, I think a lot of great athletes go into it because it's some it's a sport that you can a make the most money in and uh, not put your body on the line to to nearly the same degree. Like you, you've, you've got two, right. yeah, you've got two kids. Uh, I would imagine that if they were to go into a sport and they were like really excelling at something, what would you push them in? Right, I, right. I get that part, but right. here's the problem with their with their business model because you brought up their biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Their biggest issue is that they're all about the history and the numbers. Yep. And then allowed a situation to happen in which the numbers became irrelevant. And the people who now hold those numbers are pariahs. That's true. That's very true. So how can you hold yourself up where the numbers are the, great, are the thing and the people who rule those numbers are the problem? You can't. You can't. It's something that they can't possibly reconcile with themselves. 1994 destroyed baseball. I think I think a lot of the whole 90s sort of did. But no, it, it was 94. Yeah, that 94 yeah. strike mm-hmm. meant that 95 the Braves won and nobody cared. 96 the Yankees won and nobody cared. And they're like, oh crap, now what? And they just basically, I don't want to say incentivize people to take steroids, but certainly didn't bother them that people are taking steroids. Remember all the chicks dig the long ball commercials with the Braves pitchers Mm -hmm. that are going on? John Smokes couldn't get anyone to look at him because 
chicks dig the long haul. Like, all this was happening, and they knew it was happening, and the writers knew it was happening, and the managers knew it was happening, and the commissioner knew it was happening. And until Congress got involved for their own stupid, selfish reasons, nobody cared. And then the performance in front of Congress was awful, but this all goes back to this 94 strike. Mm-hmm. I wonder if a lot of people even remember like how long that strike lasted. The 95 spring training was actually replacement players. Mm-hmm. I don't like. <laughs> which was crazy that they were even going to try that. But they did, yeah. Baseball yeah, really, really shot itself in the foot. Badly. It still has. And the people who were sitting in, who were there at the time are now sitting in judgment of those who they enabled. And it's just like, I always, I always bring up the curly-haired boyfriend. But they're way too, like, he is the typical person in charge of baseball now. Mm-hmm. It's all a money game, and it, there's no joy involved. And that's the other problem with the sport. They've taken out most of the action. This is, this is the Red Sox and Yankees' fault more than anything. Blame, the, blame and, uh, and Billy Bean. Blame the Greek goggin of walks, Kevin Euclid, even though he's not Greek, Right. But Kevin Euclid looked at like five pitches at at bat. But the difference is Kevin Euclid put the ball in play a lot, mm-hmm. even though he walked a bunch. The Red Sox likely designated hitter this year, maybe maybe first baseman Bobby Dahlbeck, struck out fifty seven percent of the time he was at the plate last year. Fifty seven percent. I miss the triple. I miss stolen bases. Yeah. D- did they learn nothing from Bull Durham? Strikeouts are fascist. <laughs> like, I love, I love pitchers who can get strikeouts. But right now, it's home run or strikeout. Willie McGee would not play. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's make, I don't know why that's making me laugh so much, but it just is. Like, I loved Willie McGee, even if he was... But as I've often said, looked like the African American version of Don Knot. But w- Willie McGee was like a slap singles hitter who would steal bases. Like he was so fun to watch, Willie McGee. He was not, he's never going to be a Hall of Famer, but he was a multi-time All Star. He's a really, really good player. There's nobody like that anymore. No. No, they, there's nobody like that. There's nobody marketable. Period. There's no character. Well, there are marketable people like. But they don't market them. Who would you? Okay, so Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is super marketable. Okay, so Clayton Kershaw is super marketable. Who else? If you're okay, okay. If you're running Major League Baseball marketing, and uh, they come to you and they say, "Okay, Evan, uh, we want you to focus on five people who are going to be the face of the game." So you've you've given me two. Who's your other three? Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. You just signed a massive contract. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's Francisco Lindor, who the Indians are assholes for getting rid of. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, probably another pitcher. I'd have to think who the other pitcher would be. Not Trout. Um, you, you wouldn't try to sort of like find – like just Trout. give him a personality in, in, in flux or just something. Because like I, as we were doing this, right, uh, I've got basketball in the background and they just had a Kevin Durant commercial. Durant doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. You know, because no. – well, I think anyone who's ever heard Durant speak would know why you don't want him speaking in a commercial. He's a charisma vacuum. He's got not he's not a very interesting person. But when he's playing, you, you know, you can't take your eyes off of him. So, do you just come up with something for Trout? Would he not be a fifth guy? Problem is Trout has all the personality of a Trout. Of a pizza box after you've taken out like the greasy pizza. <laughs> like get yourself a big New York, a big New York style pizza, which is not that good. I'm sorry, New York. You guys are super proud of it, only because you haven't eaten pizza anywhere else. But you get you get the pizza out of there, and there's just like this lake of of grease that like bakes its way into the bottom of the cardboard. That has more personality than Trout. Okay, so he's not number five. No, he's, he's, he should be, but he just is. There. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's like he lost his tongue in a duel. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. It's just he just there's nothing to do. But here's the problem, though. Again, as soon as anyone starts hitting home runs. The way they've set this up now is what's your first thought? Oh, I mean like when they're, when they're just like belting home runs all the time? Yeah. Well, my first it's, thought, my first thought is that, no, it's not, no, it's not, my first thought's not PDs, only is if they suddenly become a home run hitter at age 33. Right. I just, I don't know what we're going to do about baseball. I really love it. Although I hate my team at the moment, um, just two years ago there was a uh, book written about the greatest outfield in baseball, which again was a uh, hyperbole with of Betts, Benintendi, and Bradley. And now, th- not even three years later, all of them are gone. Um, and uh, like I don't know what's worse: the Indians, the Indians trading Lindor is bad, but the Cubs and Red Sox pretending they're poor teams. Is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the Jays just picked up Springer. I know. Like, there's just so many teams pretending to be poor. And the salaries being given out for the vast majority of, like, even the middle-class players are going down. And it's all... Be- and, I mean, it's just... It's just not... Baseball isn't fun anymore. It just isn't. It used to be fun. Now it's just like three hours of hoping somebody hits a home run. It, it is very much like that, unfortunately. But and at the same time, we're yeah. still not going to have any pitchers getting 20 strikeout games no. because none of them stay in long enough. Oh, God, no. God, no. Getting a com- just getting a complete game doesn't happen. The English Premier League 
is going to have better ratings than the world. The normal English for league Premier League games got better ratings than the World Series within the next five years. Ooh. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying MLS. MLS has got a long way. No, 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 no. I, I know you're not. Yeah. But you could get almost any EPL game. Most of my weekends now. I mean, I've become a Leicester City fan pretty hard. We, we lost a bad game to the team this week. But, like, I could wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning and watch two-hour blocks of soccer games. They're, they're done in, like, two hours. It moves the whole time. And while there may not be a ton of goals, there's a, generally, there, generally there aren't that many 0-0 games where nothing happens. There are mm-hmm. a few. There was one last week. But most of the time, there's a lot of action going back and forth. People always moving. They're trying different things. People rolling around to the ground crying even though nothing happened. <laughs> at least something is going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, Baseball, no, very much so. Nothing happens for long periods of time. Hmm. Like there's no there's no time in soccer where a player doesn't touch the ball for like a five minute period. No, I, in baseball you can a fielder doesn't touch the ball the whole game. <laughs> that's yeah, that's very true. And sometimes they win a gold glove. <laughs> yes, Rafael Palmero. Rafael first yes. baseman. Oh my God! That that's that that's one word that's got to be done away with. Is the gold glove? Yeah. Well, you know who votes on that? Uh, I I don't know if it still is, but it's the managers who vote on the gold glove. I wonder if they just really? sort of like it's it, they're not. I said, oh really? I didn't know. Okay, I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's who votes on it. And it makes me wonder if it's like the coaches' poll. And like in, in college football and then, right. so, then I forget who it was, but someone came out and, it, and it's, they found out that uh, so-and-so didn't vote for a clear choice at number one. Like, Oh, I didn't want, well, I had someone else do it. Cause they have no idea what the hell they're doing. It's like, they got better things to do than vote on a stupid poll that really doesn't have any, any real matter, especially if their team's not really uh, relevant. Yeah. So, I mean, I just wonder if they just had the Bat Boy do it. It's like filling out an all-star game. Like, who, who have you heard of? Okay, well, I'm going to vote for this guy. Oh, I know Palmero. Yeah. But anyway. So, yeah, I think we've come up with our new hammers. I kind of like it. Sounds good to me. All right, beautiful. So, a quick show. We, again, squeezed out an hour out of this lemon. We are <laughs> in... In the words of Brian from Family Guy, now all we need is a midget with some gin. Anyway, I was quote just by the way, I was quoting Family Guy. I know that the term midget is not the correct word to use. A little person with some gin, but still. It was a quote. Anyway. I think I think it's it was a quote. I think it's quote. Yeah. I mean if you were to say the M word, I think people would have been confused. We're not we're not there yeah, yet as a society. Yeah, they would have thought I meant Mariner. <laughs> Nice. Sorry, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not their former president and CEO. I actually don't think. I actually don't hate them. So, anyway, man, we should get out of here before we get ourselves in any sort of trouble. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, talk to you next week. Stay safe, everyone. See you later.